I'm Megan Hale, and you're listening to The Enoughness Revolution, a feel-good podcast on creating joy in life, work, and love. Join me every Monday and Thursday for practical tools that speak to the soul to create a life you love. Transformational Thursday, you guys, and I'm really excited to welcome my next guest to the show. Today, I am speaking to John Kim, who's a licensed marriage and family therapist, but you might know him as the angry therapist. You know, what's really phenomenal about this episode today is this is kind of like a full circle moment for me, because back when I was toying around with the idea of maybe expanding outside of psychotherapy, I actually found John's work on Mind Body Green. It was a a site that I was also publishing on at the time, and when I found John, I really gravitated towards what he was doing and how he was helping people outside of the traditional psychotherapy model. So to be speaking to him today is kind of just this awesome moment for me. It was really great to sit down and talk with him and just hear more about his journey and how he's really helping us change the way we change, which we're going to talk about on the show. So John actually pioneered the online life coaching movement seven years ago quickly building a following of raving fans. At the same time, he was also going through a divorce, which led to his total rebirth on how he approached life. He started a blog with a post titled My Fucking Feelings and became an unconventional therapist by working out of the box, growing his audience of like-minded people through Tumblr from the ground up. He built out a coaching team and started a movement to change the way we change. John is a published writer and speaker. His own podcast, Asking for a Friend, hit number 78 on the top health charts on iTunes. And his first published book, A No BS Guide to Finding and Living Your Truth, is available for pre-order now. I'm going to put all of his information down in the show notes, so definitely make sure to check it out. He's doing such amazing work in the world. It's such an honor to have him on. So without further ado, let's get into our conversation. Here's John. Welcome back to the Enoughness Revolution, everybody. Today is a special episode for me because I not only have our first male guest who's joining us on the podcast, but I'm also being joined by somebody who really inspired me to make the leap from therapy to coaching. And I'm so excited to welcome John Kim, also known as the Angry Therapist, to the podcast today. John, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. I appreciate that. Um, And um, yeah, I, I think that's really interesting on how um, what I was doing affected you. And of course, there are so many that you're affecting today. Um, and I'm interested about that, that transition of hopping the fence from uh, therapist to or counselor to uh, life coaching. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think for me it was, so I had built a private practice. And I started noticing that a lot of my clients who were coming to me, they were presenting with depression, anxiety. But when we really got into the work, Mm-hmm. they were experiencing these these symptoms because they weren't honoring themselves. They weren't living true to themselves. They had um, other people's expectations that were guiding their lives instead of their own. Right. So I quickly started to realize, I'm like, wow, this is a, an authenticity issue. And I started to wonder if more people who were not coming into therapy we're struggling with authenticity too, and what that might look like if we all started honoring our own expectations of ourselves, living true to who we are, and how sure. that would impact joy, happiness, meaning, fulfillment, all of the things that we are seeking. So I made the leap, 
and come to find out there's a lot of us out there who are passionate about living a whole life, a meaningful life. And to me, it all starts with living true to who you are, finding that authenticity and that worthiness to really pursue what it is you feel called to do, hence the concept of enoughness. Yeah. And uh, it's funny because, you know, my whole thing started with a divorce and uh, I cut myself in half and started pulling from the new and the old was seeking approval validation. Um, I was in the uh, entertainment business for a while, had a restaurant bar and it was just very walking with a veneer mm-hmm. um, and feeling powerless. And then the, uh, the residue of that is um, depression and mm-hmm. being unhappy and not knowing all that stuff. So after the divorce, um, I, you know, started all over, had nothing, had no friends, had no job, had, I just basically had this little white, white MacBook that my parents gave me because Korean people just buy you things because <laughs> they, they think that's what's going to solve problems. <laughs> um, they, they offered me their forerunner when I got it, when I told them about oh, the wow. divorce. And uh, I remember how angry I was. Like, I don't need a fucking car. I need a hug. <laughs> yes. But then I was like, you know what? I'm going to take it. And then they were like, okay, what about a television or a Mac? And I was like, okay, I'll just take the computer. <laughs> and, um, yeah. And so that, that's when I decided to actually, you know, the, the, this word, this authenticity word, which I know is thrown a lot, around a lot in your mm-hmm. truth. Um, I like calling it your solid self. I started to, uh, I had nothing to lose. So I just started to be honest with myself. And I think that was the first time that I was really honest with myself. And then that started, um, everything I'm doing now and it and kind of organically paved a brand new path for me. Man, I think that's so, so critical because, and I'm sure you could probably agree, like when we aren't in touch with our soul or with our true self, we end up in relationships that aren't meant for us and work that's not meant for us and all kinds of environments that aren't meant for us. Right. And I feel like when we have kind of this aha or sometimes it could be like this, this breakdown moment that ends up being a breakthrough, when the rug is kind of pulled out from under us, like, what the hell? That can actually be a moment for us to start asking ourselves these really big questions and starting to get to know who we really are. Yeah. It's like, um, have you ever tried, have you ever kissed someone that you had no desire in kissing? Yes. (laughs) Okay. So that feeling is what it feels like to, to, to not live your truth and to, mm-hmm. um, you know, try to trace other people's blueprints. And it's like, it's so, because nothing comes of that other than just a physical two lips touching and there's no, you know, and then, and then, you know, if, if you flip that and you think about, um, kissing someone that you've always wanted to kiss and felt connection to and that first kiss, the power of that and the butterflies and just, you know, being on cloud nine, mm-hmm. um, that's what life can feel like, I think, um, if you follow your truth, if you stand on it, you know. Mm, I love that metaphor. So I'm really curious about how you have explored your anger because I think for most of the people that listen to this podcast, you know, anger is something that's kind of like, oh, this isn't okay for us to do. We're not supposed to be angry. Um, it's really kind of frowned upon for women, yeah. especially. So I would love to hear how you've kind of excavated your own anger as part of your healing journey. And how you've used it as fuel. Sure. Um, and you're saying that because the anger, the word anger is in my, my the whole branding, the uh-huh. therapist. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, um, I want to clarify that. Uh, <laughs> I, I, was def- I was definitely angry in my 20s, um, part, part of my 30s. Uh, part of that anger came from being unhappy, um, you know, upbringing, reactive, all that stuff. But mm-hmm. I... I, um, when I, when I thought of, I didn't put much thought when I created the anger therapist, I just thought it was kind of funny that a therapist is angry. Um, uh, but, <laughs> but 
at the end of the day, I think um, the takeaway from from that whole thing is the, that uh, just me humanizing myself. Mm. And I think that anger is part of being human. I think a lot mm. of people, there's tremendous power in anger. Um, if you allow yourself to feel it, it doesn't mean that you have to throw chairs and, you know, go crazy, but, um, or, or maybe, I don't know, but a lot of people ignore that feeling because we stamp it as negative or not appropriate or out of control. And by doing so, you're not addressing a part of you, you know what I'm saying? You're disconnecting mm-hmm. from a part of you. Yeah. No, and I think, you know, going back to therapist days, you know, I would always hear this, this phrase tossed along, like, you know, depression as anger turned inward. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've experienced depression in my life several different times. And having had that experience, I can totally see, like, you are angry that things aren't the way that you want them to be. Or (laughs) you're angry that things aren't, or they, they are the way they are. And you can sometimes feel, you know, for me, depression tells you all kinds of terrible things about yourself. It makes you feel like helpless and hopeless to change. And that even creates even more anger um, because you're just like, how the hell do I get out of this? You know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I think learning to embrace the anger and give it a voice, bring it to the table. What does it have to tell you? What does it want you to shift? I agree. I think anger um, can be channeled in a way where it's super powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I was at the time I was angry um, with the system, the uh, journey to becoming a therapist. Uh, I think I don't know where you're licensed. I'm licensed in California, and um, it just it was so broken and outdated. And I I got really lucky in, in creating because I didn't know where the anger therapist was going to go, but the whole online thing. Um, took off and it's like I felt like in the clinical world I was pushing a mail cart and then when I came home and I was typing on anger therapist I was wearing a cape and I, and I and I followed that and there's so much truth to that and now I'm learning that there's so many people like you who have gone through the clinical route and have mm-hmm. um, you know like hopped, hopped the fence and been like this is okay I don't regret it and I, I'm glad I have these tools but um, there's so much more poetry and you can swim so much more in coaching you know being a life coach that's exactly how I feel yeah to the T that's exactly how I feel there's so much more freedom of really sharing sharing of me that I didn't feel like I could when I was wearing my therapist hat yeah so it's it's very freeing and I feel like the connection is so much deeper with people really being able to share your story in a much more open way um, than therapy really allows and the great thing is, you know, obviously you have a lot of great skills. Um, becoming a therapist that can really help people, but going into the coaching, it just gives you a platform to really share those skills in a much broader way. Yeah, I think the greatest difference between um, a therapist and life coach, and it's kind of on the topic that we're talking about now, uh, being authentic. So, as a therapist, you're you're not you don't there's not a lot of room for you to be authentic because you're trained to not talk about you. You know, mm-hmm. you're trained you're trained to be neutral and. Uh, I think a lot of people um, are turned off by that in the uh, the explosion of life coaching. So in life coaching, in order to be successful, you have to be uniquely you. Mm-hmm. You can't just be. You can't just say, "I want to just coach everything." You have to have a, a niche. You have to have a voice. You know, you, you whatever, however you want. And so because of that, um, it it makes you rare. It turns you into a diamond, and you're going to attract who you know people who love you, and you're and then there's going to be people who hate you, and that's okay too. But <laughs> <laughs> the people that love you are the people that you're going to or can relate to you or like you or, or understand you. They're the the people that you should be helping anyway. You know. Yeah, definitely. And you know, I've watched 
the angry therapists really evolve over the years. And I mean, you have a couple of different arms out in the world now of ways that you're helping people. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. I started, um, the angry therapist started as a Tumblr blog, uh, back when Tumblr was fairly new and it was just a guy going through a divorce, documenting his story, pulling the curtain back and talking about his, um, quote unquote fucking feelings, Mm -hmm. which was my very first post. And then, um, And then it grew into questions and then it grew into um, people wanting sessions. And what I thought was interesting was I'm telling people that I'm hurting and that I'm not in a good space (laughs) and people uh, wanted help from me. And and the takeaway there is that you don't have to be in a good place to help people. You don't have Mm. to have a perfect life. You don't have to be, you know, um, whatever your definition of of good is Mm -hmm. um, because we're all. And so I think they, they started relating to me and, um, and I, me making myself human, me making that decision created um, a basic, a full practice online. And I, I got, um, it got, it got so big, I couldn't handle it. So I was seeing people online, like all over the world. And then um, I would come home and then meet people like at lakes. I never had an office and they're on purpose. I didn't want to, but like uh, CrossFit boxes, lakes. And I just decided if we're going to talk about life, let's do life while we're talking. Mm. And, you know, this was like seven years ago. And at the time that was like kind of, um, different, you know, and, uh, it, it worked. People connected to me and I started to be a life coach without really announcing it. Mm-hmm. And, and then I learned the, the, the power in that. And then recently, um, about a year ago, I partnered with, uh, Taylor Adams and well, I, I built the team and then, um, I started a catalyst life coaching course, um, all from my kitchen and, I designed that because I felt like there has to be a different way that we could teach people how to help people mm-hmm. that isn't that isn't the clinical route. And then with life coaching, it's such the wild, wild west. People don't know what courses to take, what to totally, look for, yeah. you know. And um, and I'm, there's a lot of great courses. There's a lot of scams, etc. So I just said, you know, what, I'm going to create what I think is the best. And I um, it's kind of a hybrid. So teaching everything from positive psychology to trauma to relationships and uh you know having about six or seven different instructors that are very unique and so i put that together and then recently i uh created co-founded a company called shift and this is more on the tech side which is it's going to evolve into an app but it's the idea of um, the power of community it's the idea that we're not meant to do life alone and so we grow through tribes so we have all these little tribes uh, on different topics that's spearheaded or led by a Catalyst Life Coach. And so I've kind of created an ecosystem. Mm, mm, I love it. And yeah. I'm going to include all of your links below so people can go and really kind of check out your communities and what you're doing in the world because it's really awesome stuff. And I know you just started a podcast recently too. Yeah, I thought it was fun. I started a podcast uh, with, with my friend Gabby Conti. She's on the Elite Daily Show. And uh, that's been really fun. I'm, I'm, I'm always like – I'm like a kid playing with Legos. I've always been like this, like <laughs> – you know, with blogging videos, Facebook, like it's just, it's, there's so much to play with now yeah. that, um, I get lost in it. I think it's so fun. Oh, I love it. Well, that's, it doesn't make it feel like work at all, right? You're just playing. Oh yeah. You're just basically, I mean, your life kind of turns into a documentary and you just document instead of, um, you know, I mean, it, I mean, you, you have to like sit down and write and do work, yes. but, uh, <laughs> that's how you keep it sustainable. I think that's how you're, um, you can be prolific is to, push out content and, and it doesn't feel like work. Yeah, definitely. So I want to kind of peel the layers back with you for just a second because I'm, I'm putting myself in your shoes of going through a divorce and being a male even 
And yeah. you're, you're opening up and you're sharing all this nitty gritty, vulnerable, emotional stuff. And to me, when you're talking about people like contacting you, reaching out to you, like, I want to work with you. The first thing that popped up in my mind is because he's being brave. Like that is incredibly brave to be so open with, you know, such a, a soft spot in your life. Yeah, it's weird. I didn't know that. I didn't know. Um, I, I was I wasn't doing it to attract customers. Um, I I was just. I just decided to express myself for the first time in my life, you know, to like talk about my feelings and, um, yeah, it seemed like it was meant, you know, like when you look back at your story, you start connecting dots. It's like, if, if I didn't make that choice, I don't, I would be doing something completely. Oh my gosh. Yes. Totally. So were you raised to talk about your feelings and no, not at all. (laughs) I mean, I was raised, um, I mean, I'm Korean American parents came here, you know, when I was three, and uh, they were always busy working because we had businesses and um, yeah, it wasn't really a, a safe space. I didn't get a lot of, you know, how's your day? How are you? <laughs> um, a lot of questions that encouraged the kid to talk about his feelings. I was just went, went out and played outside and I got uh, basically raised by pop culture, you know, breakdancing, skateboarding and chasing girls and all that stuff. <laughs> so <laughs> the, Ameri- it- <laughs> the American dream. <laughs> there you go. So was it vulnerable for you to start sharing but your heart with the world. Yeah, and you know the thing—the thing about blogging is you don't—you know—when you have followers and you and then there, let's say you you do a video and and it says you know two thousand people saw the video, um, it's just numbers on behind the computer, so it doesn't feel. Now, if you put those two thousand people in a room yeah. and you stand up, that's a whole different experience. So I think because there was safety in um, hiding behind the computer, I just I w- it was easy for me to be raw because I'm just typing and, and hitting post. Um, I wasn't going into a room and uh, being naked in front of, you know, 60,000 people. They were just, it's internet people. So um, it made it easier for sure. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. I get that. So I'm curious about this concept of enoughness. Like how has it shown up in your life and what is, what does enoughness even mean to you? Like when you hear the word, like what comes to mind? Um, I, so here's the, the, the thing. I think that we live in a world where, um, we always want more or different or better. Uh, we're always comparing ourselves to you know everyone else, and so the word enough I think is is foreign to people. Mm-hmm. I don't think they use it in the vocabulary. Like like it's never enough. You know, mm-hmm. if you when you when you get your corner office or you when you uh, you know get the picket fence or whatever it is that you want, then you just want more and more and more. Mm-hmm. Um, so this idea of that you are enough, I think, is it's really powerful in that. Um, living in enoughness means that you now have power instead of so instead of seeking and chasing um, you are now attracting mm, I love that yes yes because you don't want anything you know because you you are enough and I think uh, and, and listen that's very hard to believe and I, I know it's a process but mm-hmm. when you when you start moving in that direction you start taking the power back and I think also like on on many other levels energy spiritual um, Shit just happens. Stars line up. You know, people gravitate toward you. Opportunities happen, and it's because of your belief and what you're um, projecting and your state. I'm a big believer in changing your state to attract. Yes, and I I think for me, like the this was the interesting thing about getting into the work of enoughness is that I realized that I had been so motivated by not enough. Mm-hmm. That the idea of things being enough created so much fear of like, well, what's going to motivate me then? <laughs> and right. it was really peculiar, like experiencing it. And like enoughness is not a destination. It's, it's, it's a practice, right? 
Sure. And when I am practicing enoughness, when I'm sitting in my own enoughness, there, I'm still motivated to expand, but the motivation comes from a, a much different place. It's right. like fueled by more of like attracting like, oh, this sounds fun. What could I do now instead of what do I need? So it's more about like desire based than a need yeah. based. And that totally changes the energy of how I'm living my life or pursuing things in my life. Absolutely. And I think um, for me, um, I think, you know, enoughness also doesn't mean that you can't want things. Like it doesn't exactly. mean that, that like look, I, I want an Audi R8 and a Korean barbecue in my backyard of my house one day. You know, like uh, and, and it's OK. Like those things mean something to me. Um, and it, that doesn't mean that I'm not being, you know, I'm I'm uh, negating the whole enough, enoughness thing or being enough yes, you know totally. and I think it, I think it changes I think what is enough for you today um, mm -hmm. is different than what it was yesterday and, and it, it'll be different from what it will be tomorrow yeah no I love that and I, I think we have to give ourselves permission to to evolve and to shift and to change directions as as we change yeah so I want to talk about this book that you have coming out because if it's going to be anything like the stuff that you're putting out online, I know it's going to be amazing. So what was oh, the motivation of your welcome? What was the motivation of writing the book? Um, through my journey, I started coming up with, and I'm sure you have your, your concepts in your language. I started coming up with um, my own language, my own concept, and what I thought um, was the best way to help people. Um, and, I, you know, I, my whole thing is I kind of put things in shot glass. I'm very uh, – I think there's a lot of fat in self-help, so I try to cut that just go straight to the point. So I came up with this idea that um, we all have containers, I call them, and there's mm -hmm. this, it's our life space. And most of us have cracked containers, and uh, we actually have the ability to build a brand-new container for ourselves. And when we do, I think growth is organic. I think, you know, um, for example, if you're in a relationship where you're, you know, getting punched in the face, your mm -hmm. container is very cracked. It's going to stunt growth. So I came up with a very simple step-by-step uh, -step process on how to build yourself a brand new container. And by doing so, you're going to live uh, more in your truth. Mm. So that's what the book is about in a nutshell. Uh, but as I do that, it, it tells you my story and who I am. So I do it in a way where it's where it's almost like an autobiography, but it's also you're li 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 um, leaving with like uh, self-help concepts. Mm, I love it. And you guys, the, the title of the book is The Angry Therapist, A No BS Guide to Finding and Living Your Own Truth. Yeah, and it's wrapped in duct tape. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I wasn't sure. So when the publishers uh, presented it to me, I was like, oh, you, you don't want my face on it? You don't want a picture of me? And then they're like, no, we think uh, wrapping it in duct tape is uh, <laughs> is interesting. And I was like, okay, cool. But now I like it. Now it's growing on me. That's awesome. So I, yeah. I want to play with a term that I've been, ex like I guess, cultivating in my own life. And I have no idea how this is going to hit you, but I know that you're super active. You're... A pretty athletic guy. I know you're really into CrossFit. And to me, there is this concept of body communion that I have mm. been practicing of really paying attention to what my body is wanting, yeah. what my body is needing, and really honoring the wisdom that lives there. So I would I, love to hear you know, your own journey with really taking care of your body and honoring it and what that has done for your life, your mental well-being, your love life even, sure. um, how it's shaped your life. Yeah, I think that um, most people, there's a huge Grand Canyon disconnect with themselves and their body. So they, they see their body as something that's not attached to them. And so, you know, they want to be, you know, whatever this or they see uh, pictures in magazines or, you know, um, I think that connection to your body and the way you do it is through, the, you know, these experiences, whether it's yoga, CrossFit, whatever, uh, you know, surfing, whatever it is that, that uh, the activity is. But I think that connection 
um, is mandatory in order for you to live higher, um, mm. to even, you know, um, be in a spiritual state. Uh, I don't think people that are disconnected with their bodies are, I, I, I think they become shells, mm. you know, and I, and, and part of it is society and us, um, not only like advertising and social pressures, but also, um, you know, because all that makes us not accept our bodies and want different, but, mm-hmm. The way that we live, you know, we don't like we used to run around and play and hunt for food and stuff. Now it's like we <laughs> we sit in cubicles all day and we're in elevators, cars. We're always sitting yeah. for hours and hours and hours. So it, I think that our body gets away from us. And, um, you know, the explosion of like yoga and meditation, all that, I think that is the result of people wanting to connect with their bodies again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, can you talk a little bit about and I'm just kind of you know, picking your brain here because you're the first guy oh. I've had on. And so I'm just like curious about all these questions. Why, why is that, by the way? Why am I, why? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm honored. I think it's great. But uh, was, did you purposely, because um, I know most of your, your audience is probably female. Yeah. And that's kind of where I started off, um, mm. especially with the concept of enoughness, because I really wanted to hear from the feminine perspective of it. Right. And then I started having these conversations with my husband about enoughness. And I was like, maybe there's more to this conversation that, you know, I'm not even paying attention to. And so we started having conversations about how enoughness shows up for him. And I mean, obviously it's a very human piece of us, right? So I'm just curious from your perspective, like pursuing, um, living in a body that you love, Mm -hmm. do you face a lot of pressures from, um, society on what that looks like? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and not only society, but your specific community. So whatever it is that you're doing, um, there's going to be people in that world, that tribe, that class, that CrossFit box, that yoga studio, whatever, um, that are going to influence and, and make you um, disconnect with your body or, you know, um, have, uh, feel uh, shame or not not enough, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing about CrossFit is people are like half naked and mostly guys taking off their shirts because it's very kind of garage gym and mm-hmm. loud music, which is great. Um, but also you, you see very fast who has the abs and who doesn't and all that. And it's very easy to get caught up in all that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I think it's important to um, – it's like a, having a relationship with anything else that, that you and your body have a relationship. And I think it's important to um, – build it, mm-hmm. you know, to build trust, to accept and to, uh, be okay with yourself, be not, I mean, not be hard on yourself, but also like, um, to actually love it and care about it and yes. don't, uh, don't feed it junk. And, 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 you know, not that you can't have cheat days, but also, uh, move every day. Like if I don't sweat every day, I feel, I, I don't feel good. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. There's definitely like, so I think for me, the thing that's really pulled me into more like body awareness or like being in my body instead of just like beating it into submission <laughs> is that yeah. when you talk about joy, like joy is a very physical experience. And if you're not yeah. connected to what joy feels like in your body, how are you supposed to know what brings you joy? Mm. Absolutely. So I just started building more awareness here of like, this is, this is the seat of joy and pleasure and how we're experiencing our lives. And if we're not in touch with this, we're missing out on a lot of information. And we're yeah. trying to think our way into joy. And we can't think our way into some of these very abstract concepts. You can't think your way into love. You have to feel your way into love, for instance. Yeah. And um, speaking of love, there's another part of this 
And um, I think especially for men, um, this redefinition uh, of uh, fulfilling your sexual needs. I mean, I think we're sexual creatures and it's important to feel sexy and uh, feeling sexy doesn't necessarily just mean sex, mm-hmm. you know? Um, Absolutely. I, it could be in the way that you move. It could be a dance. It could be the, you know, you on a surfboard, but, um, that power of feeling sexy. I mean, there's, so there's confidence, there's that connection with your body. There's that oneness. I mean, it's a very powerful feeling. And I think because a lot of us have a distorted definition of what sexy is Mm -hmm. that there's, there's a huge disconnect, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's very, such a narrow kind of definition if you're not doing the work to really create your own. Sure. So yeah. moving forward with the angry therapist and your work in the world, what's next? Um, I'm on fire to change the way we change. I'm, I, I, have love, a, I love that phrase. <laughs> yeah, I think um, it's such a ripe opportunity now that people have um, people are taking life coaches seriously. You know, five ten years ago, life coaching was kind of a joke. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the only the only real life coach was Tony Robbins. You know, mm-hmm. um, now it's just uh, it's 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 blown up. It's it's almost a um, it's 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 accepted like you know uh, fitness coaches are accepted. It's accepted like nutrition is coaches yeah. and and all that. So it's um, it's been ta- it's being taken seriously. So the combination of that and technology and how we could reach people instantly um, mm-hmm. and you know create a conduit directly into their home. So now that uh, you could coach people, you could deliver, meaning you fall into their phone, their iPad, their computer, and that instant um, being able to reach people, I think, uh, changes everything. Uh, but also the, the the way that we are. So as helpers, as coaches, um, there's a new way to present yourself. Uh, and that is going back to this idea of being unique and being authentic, authentically you, um, and also the different ways in. So, you know, I have my concepts, you have your concepts, mm-hmm. and I think it's it's great that we're not all, you know, trying to like spit clinical language. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, I think yeah. when I look at what you've created for yourself and the way that you're helping people, it's really like humanizing change, mm-hmm. but it's founded on connection. Sure. And you're also normalizing the process that like when you're trying to change yourself or change your life, it's not easy. Like it's not just a a snap of the fingers. Like it takes a lot of process, a lot of attending to, and a lot of perseverance to create the change that we want. And I think the more we can normalize that, um, the more we can make it okay for us to kind of do this cha-cha, but it's kind of what I call it as it's like the cha-cha of change. We take a couple steps forward, a couple steps back, and we're always gaining wisdom along the way. But a lot of us, we get so, um, down on ourselves when we're not like changing as quickly as we think we should or yeah. as fast as somebody else. And I think you do a really excellent job of normalizing that for people. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I was just, I never, I never had any kind of master plan. I just decided to be, <laughs> I, I always tell people I'm just like the average John that decided to be honest with himself one day mm-hmm. and then, you know, um, but that was, that's all I needed to, to change. Yeah. But I mean, what a, what a gift that is, uh, just to simply be honest with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, um, it's sad that it took this long because <laughs> 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 I feel old now, but, um, oh, you're right on time. That's how I see it. We're always right on time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's hard, it's hard to, to swallow that when you live in Los Angeles <laughs> and everyone's, everyone's like 20, you know, in their, in their corner. Office well, that's season. definitely a different culture than where I am in Texas. So yeah. 
I really don't have any point of reference for that, but I would imagine that, yeah, you might feel like, I don't know, in a different era sometimes. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I, all I know is L.A., but I do know, because um, I just I was raised here, but I do know that it, it there is, um, you know, it's, it's, it's everyone, no one's from here, so yeah. everyone comes here, and so there's, there is a, a, a mirage or a fantasy um that people build up with Los Angeles and entertainment and the, you know, beautiful people and success and all that stuff. Totally. So, so before we wrap up today, I'm going to kind of put you on the spot. Sure. I would love for you to share one to two top tips for creating more joy in life, work, or love. Either more joy, life, work, or love. So I I could pick one of those three flavors. Yep. Or you can pick one that applies to all. I'm going to pick love. Okay. Um, yeah, it's funny that I, most of my followers are also female, and a lot of people think they're male because I'm, you know, getting I'm getting tattoos and riding motorcycles and stuff. <laughs> um, and I think one of the reasons why is because I'm like, uh, I, I write about love a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and definitions of love and how we could love harder. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a tattoo on my arm that says "Love Hard." So. Mm-hmm. Uh, Repeat the question with love in mind. Maybe I'll go in through that door. So if someone was struggling to create joy and mm-hmm. in, in love, mm-hmm. to find joy in love, what was what's one thing you would recommend for them to change or shift? Um, I would say start with your definition. I think a lot of people um, have a distorted definition of what love looks like. Mm-hmm. I think uh, movies, advertising, um, other people's blueprints, their parents, whatever, have contributed to this image of love that I think is um, false. And I think we set us set ourselves up for like giant cliffs to fall off of. You know, yeah. um, I also think, especially with this generation, the swipe generation, that um, because of their definition of love, when things get hard, uh, they easily bounce. Because mm-hmm. they, they feel like they're not in love any, anymore, and that's not what love is. I think that love is what happens after the falling in love. So when you realize the person's not uh, perfect, when you re- when you see the, the dirty socks on the floor and the toilet seat up, and yep. and uh, you know that's when love is love. And when you make a choice and 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 doing so uh, to do life with someone, not at someone, and sharpen each other through that, that's what love is. Love isn't the first time. Um, you meet someone and there's butterflies and the, the, the first two weeks of the honeymoon period yeah. and the, you know when you're so interested in someone and you love um, learning everything about that person that's great and that's the first domino and that's infatuation that is maybe lust that is other things but I think love is uh, a daily choice you know mm, uh, it's, yes it's not just a feeling no I totally agree it's definitely a verb and yes. you know, I have a funny story. My husband and I, we've been married for five years now. And when we first got married, and he's, he's like a pretty man's man. Like he loves mm-hmm. cars, loves motorcycles, loves yeah. planes. He's just loves to be like working on an engine. Mm-hmm. And I wanted him to be this romantic guy that I saw in the movies. And I was yeah. like, why isn't he doing these things? Does he not care about me? And so I got him this book, like a thousand and one ways to be romantic. And I, I'm cringing mm. even admitting this right now. And I'm like, this is going to be the solution. And so I get him this book, and this book sits on the shelf for months. And I'm like, okay, why are you not reading this book? I got this. It's going to solve all our problems. Not realizing, like, he's not the guy that's going to crack open. Like, that's just not how he likes to learn. He's, like, a more right. experiential learner. 
Sure. But what I was really after was I wanted to know that he was thinking about me. And right. because of all the movies I had watched growing up, if a man thinks about a woman, then he's doing all these like romantic gestures and whatnot. Right, right. Well, right, so your, your, your definition of love. I mean, um, yes. you, wanted, you wanted him to write your name in the sky, and that's what you saw, you know? Yes. And um, he, show, he could show love uh, just as powerful in different ways. Exactly. But, and that the, was the big, big shift that happened in our marriage, which I'm so grateful for. Because if I had, if I had kept that definition of love, that yeah. this is how he's supposed to show me affection, then yeah. he would fail miserably every single day. And I would be miserable because he wasn't measuring up for me. Right. But when I started to notice how thoughtful he was and all of these other ways, I was like, oh my gosh, like screw that book. I don't need that book. This right. guy is showing up for me in so many amazing ways that I never could have taught him or asked for. And so when I kind of shifted that lens and that definition of love, I mean, it was a total game changer for yeah. our marriage and just how much more joy we were experiencing together. Yeah, I think that's amazing. And I think also with the word joy and happy, um, redefining what that looks like, what that means to you, you know, mm -hmm. and what you think happy looks like. Um, it's definitely not a light switch. It's not a thing. I think um, it comes in moments. And I like the word joy more than happy, but it's, mm -hmm. I tell people to stretch their, their, their bright spots and to seek nectar and to, to that's how you're present, you know. Most of us, um, want to be happy but we're living in our heads uh, we're you know living in time machines either uh, dwelling on the past obsessing about the future all this stuff uh, but mm -hmm. we're rare we're rarely in the present and happy and joy is only found in the present you know oh my god i so agree i'm writing a book right now it's called nine or ten truths and a lie about mm -hmm. creating wild radical joy and mm -hmm. one of them is joy only lives in the now yeah. But it's so like it's, we it's don't a live constant there, practice, no. right? Like we have to right. continuously pull us back, especially when we're, um, you know, pursuing things like we're, we're planners. We try and yeah. see how all these puzzle pieces are going to fit together in the future. And are we doing everything we need? It's like we are not engineered to really live in the now. Right. So we have to have, a, I think, kind of a toolbox to practice that. And what does that really look like? How can you pull yourself back there? And for me, like, that's the only place that joy will ever, you can ever experience it. <laughs> yeah, it's, for me, it starts with the refusal to live anywhere else. And mm. uh, even even with that, because that's a very hard line that I draw, but it's also, it's so difficult. I mean, I'm, I'm in my head constantly. I'm always thinking about the future and what I'm building and where, you know, and, and, and it's like, I'm also like, you know, I do the what ifs, like, you know, um, when I do this, the if then, if I get this, then I'll be happy if yeah. I get that, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so I fall into those traps all the time. And I think it's a process. I think it's being aware of it. And uh just shaking your life edge a sketch once in a while and just going back to the basics. I posted something on Facebook the other day that um, I really want a simple life. I just want to love someone and be able to eat at Whole Foods, shop at Whole Foods. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I want. <laughs> I was like, that will make me happy. Um, I love it. Yeah. I don't you know, know. It's, it's funny that you mentioned that because, um, you know, I, have, I used to have this saying, like, all I want is soft carpet. Mm, right. But soft carpet was really like being able to enjoy, um, you know, the finer things in life, which yeah. this was back when I was like 19 years old and had no idea what would really equal joy or happiness. But now like soft carpet has taken on this new definition of like really enjoying the beauty that surrounds me. 
Mm, I like it. And um, being like, I'm a military spouse, so we move all over the world. Um, so I, it challenges me to find beauty no matter where we are. Right. But I think that's been such a great skill to, to strengthen because no matter what's going on outside of me, joy is something that we can always cultivate within. Yeah. But it's, it can take some time to get there <laughs> when you are, you know, totally convinced the outside should look different. So yeah. kind of letting beauty. go of shoulds, right? <laughs> yeah. And there's beauty in everything. Uh, most of us don't have the ability to see it. Yeah. Mm. So. Mm. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. How can we put on those glasses? So we start absolutely. to see the beauty that's around us. That's good. Yeah. And you start with new definitions, you know? Yeah, Absolutely. John, this has been an awesome conversation. I'm so glad that you came and joined us today. And I'm going to put all of your links down in the show notes so everybody can find you. Um, cool. Is there anywhere that you're hanging out more than others, though, these days on social? Um, uh, uh, Facebook, uh, the Angry Therapist page on Facebook is where kind of the my, my quad is. If this was high school, <laughs> that's where I hang out. <laughs> Awesome. So we yeah. will we will connect to you there. I appreciate you coming and sharing about your book. That's going to be so amazing. Do you have a launch date yet? Yeah, April. Uh, I think April seventeenth. Oh. Um, early early April would be launched. Uh, all in everywhere, all bookstores, Amazon. It's going wide, so I'm super excited. Man, congratulations! That's so. Thank amazing. you so much. Yeah, you're yeah. welcome. So. And, uh, uh, yeah, I, I just want to say thank you for what you're doing and the ripples that you're making. And uh, I love the dialogue and. Uh, yeah, so thank you for having me on 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 board, especially as the first male. That's um, it's a it's a nerve wracking for me, but <laughs> it's all good. You're such a good sport, and I appreciate that. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. And to all of our listeners, we will see you in a few days for another motivational Monday. Have an awesome weekend.